this is not, thankfully, from the soundtrack of Disney's Jungle Book 2, uh, released here in a fortnight, and there's nothing we can do to stop it. These eco-sound sounds are from a different kind of simian simulation, Noble Ape. The application, or tool, or game, and we'll get on to which it is in due course, lets you use your computer to influence the environment on an island and see the impact that the changes have on a group of stranded apes. This chimp-on-a-chip ape aping may sound like an ecological variant on games like Creatures and Simurth, where you get to play God and control how various digitally mimicked life forms evolve. And to some extent it is. But Noble Ape is free, collaborative software designed to provide educational, even scientifically useful insights into our relationship with our environment. But however impressive the technology and however well-intentioned the thinking, why the need for such simulations and simplifications when they can never match up to the complexity of the real world and the understanding to be gained by studying it? Well, on the line from Manchester is the architect of Noble Ape. He prefers not to be called the Jungle VIP, Tom Barbelay. And with me in the studio is Rick Colasanti, a plant, plant ecologist at the University of Glamorgan who's developed an entire artificial ecosystem full of non-existent plants. Um, Tom Barbelay, back to what I said, is Noble Ape an application, a tool, a game or, or what? It's all of the above, um, and I think uh, really it's up to the user to interpret what they uh, use it as. Uh, I think of it as a tool, some think of it as a game, um, but basically about seven years ago I uh, wanted to set up a publicly accessible development forum uh, for artificial intelligence simulation and virtual reality software, and Noble Ape came out of that. And why, why did you go down this particular line? Why, why, why the apes, why the nobility, why the island, and, and why the, the ecological message? Uh, for a number of reasons. I've been developing bits and pieces of software up until then, uh, and I was studying physics and philosophy at university. Uh, and the thought of uh, a cognitive simulation uh, was something that certainly my lecturers were dead against. I thought the problem was could be divided into two halves. Half was a biological simulation to actually create an environment uh, that the noble apes could wander through, and the other was the cognitive simulation of the way the noble apes think and interact with their environment in quite a creative way. And at least at the moment, this is, this is something that's a, that's a public access development. Can you explain what that is? Uh, it's publicly accessible. It's open source. So on two levels in terms of the documentation, the ideas, uh, people can you know, give feedback. There's a, a mailing list on the Internet. And it's also open source software. So every component of the development, uh, you can download the software, uh, you can download the source code, you can tinker with it, um, give feedback, make modifications, use it for your own work. Okay, well, I'm going to give you a bit of feedback and do a bit of tinkering because at the moment you're sounding a little strange down our line from Manchester. So I'm just <laughs> going, to, I'm going to turn to Rick for a couple of seconds and we'll try and tweak your line there. Um, 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 Rick Colasanti, you, you've, you've also created your own artificial world. Is it, is it anything like Tom's or worlds, I think you've gone for? Yeah, well, I'm coming at it from a completely different angle. What I'm interested in is how measurable things about ecosystems like biodiversity and invasibility emerge from plants and plant physiology. Plants are amazing things. If you think about it, a plant is an entity. It does things. It will grow in a particular direction, have root-shoot ratios, they'll up by how much root, how many shoots you've got. It does it as a thing. But like, unlike any other sort of like complex single entity, there's, there's no differentiation in its control structure. I mean, take for example, you're having some problems with your line at the moment. That's because a, a bit has gone wrong or something needs tweaking. That's because that bit controls it. But if you think about a plant, there's nothing there that controls that. There's nothing there that says, oh, uh, I've got a little bit of control in the plant that says I should have so much root, so much shoot. It all just comes from emergent properties out of the individual bits. Now, this goes really nicely because if you can th think of a plant as, as lots of little bits all cooperating together to create the plant, 
and that you have plants interacting together to create an ecosystem and the ecosystem goes together to create a planetary system that we've got together this is, all, this is all emerging from just how a plant uses its resources at a modular level and that's what I've tried to do I've created a plant out of individual little bits that all work on their own without knowing what, what the whole plant does and yet I get incredibly realistic plant simulations out of it I put those plants together and I get some really, really very nice stuff because I've done this in conjunction with a, with a very, very good uh, person in, in Sheffield, Dr. Rod Hunt, who's sort of keep me to the ground uh, bi biologically. And we've got uh, things like biodiversity coming out of that that we can see in the actual experiments. Okay, first, I'm very impressed by somebody who uses an example drawing on the technical difficulties we're having with a line to illustrate his point. <laughs> that is thinking on your feet. But secondly, can you give me an idea of what this, this, this world you've created? I mean, do, what, do we see things? Do we, is it just data that comes? out of it, what do we actually get from your world? Well, there's, there's, there's two things. One, uh, as we have, you need to see some sort of graphics, but if I'm sort of going back to BBC-type graphics, I've got little stick, in, stick things that draw my plants. So the plants are made up of little branching modules. Right. So just think of a little branch and a little ball at the end of it, and that represents my plant in its two dimensions. One thing to get out of it is that I can use it as a sort of virtual experiment uh, instead of doing the real biology. So what I get out of it is the numbers. The important thing is the numbers. How many types of plant types do I get out of it? What's my total biomass out of but it? But this is the key line, is instead of doing the real biology, yeah. why not do the real biology? No, it's not instead. That's the important thing. It is never instead. This is building up on a lot of work. I mean, where, I used, where this all come out from is an incredible institute called Unit of Plant, uh, Plant Ecology, Comparative Plant Ecology at University of Sheffield who's got one of the best data sets anywhere in terms of plant ecology. And I, that's the reason I work there, because I've got the data. If this isn't grounded in real science, then it's a complete waste of time. And we're probably going to talk about how, how we'll actually use it. And the trouble with a lot of things that are done in a simulation, because the important point to remember here, this is a simulation, not a model. Mm. And a lot of things that are done in simulation, unless they're grounded in reality, then they're not worth anything, which is interesting to us because of what Tom's doing. What Tom's doing is grounding his ape in a real environment, in an environment. And so that's what it's learning. It's all about grounding things. Tom, I think you are back with us. How, how real are your apes and how grounded in reality are they? Obviously, they can climb in the trees, but generally, how grounded in reality are they? Well, it's an interesting question, actually, I think, uh, particularly from uh, what Nick does. And, uh, sorry, Rick. Um, and uh, the, the view is that I have a certain component of it that is obviously grounded in science, uh, but there's also a certain degree of freedom and experimentation that I have, uh, particularly with regards to creating the biological environments initially. Uh, you mean you kind of get to play God but working within the rules of our universe as we know them? Well, there's, there's an aesthetic quality to reality, uh, which is what you're actually trying to model through these kind of simulations, um, because I'm not doing it for the same reasons that Rick is. Uh, I have the ability to kind of stay up late at night and tweak these things uh, until it appears to be uh, uh, a realistic simulation. So this is the crucial thing, is it? Do you, do you tweak them until they turn out to do whatever you want them to do for whatever reasons, or do you actually make sure they do what they should do for the reasons that they would do in the real world? These are the two options, these are the two paths I can see you can go down here. Well, I think uh, the element of the real world uh, is an interesting one, because particularly when you're dealing with human psychology or cognitive processes, uh, the real world is still very difficult to define. Uh, what I tried to do in a component of uh, Noble Ape was actually allow people to uh, develop their own ideas of what cognition was uh, and use the, the Noble Ape environment as a means to test these processes. 
So does that mean the idea in the end is, is to be more educational, if you like, than actually get sci direct scientific understanding out of it? You will, you will have tweaked the world to get the sort of results you want to see from it. It's a bit more, it's a bit like, um, I don't know, say in Star Wars. You know, you, 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 you might be impressed by the special effects and see these amazing looking spaceships, but they don't t tell us anything about interstellar travel. Well, I think there are, there are two components here. There's, uh, on one side, the core of the simulation, which is the biological and, and cognitive effects. And on the other side, which is what uh, certainly Rick and my discussion offline, is, uh, you know, the graphics, the environment, the ability to uh, create a, a tool that uh, researchers can use uh, and put their own underlying ideas of biology or uh, cognitive processes. Rick, is one of the appeals of your artificial worlds not how close that they are to reality, but in fact that you can do things in them you can't do in reality. You can turn things off, you can turn things on, you can look at factors in isolation. Yeah, you can actually, exactly. You can do things that you can't do in the real world. One of the things that we used our model for was to look at the effect of CO2. I mean, a lot of funding for, for a lot of biology recently has been done in climate change. And specifically, you're looking at the effects of what CO2 does to plants. It does two things. One, it gives it more carbon, so therefore it increases its growth. But the other thing it does is it, because you've got more carbon about, the stomata don't have to open as much. And if the stomata don't open as much, you get less water loss. So, what's the effect of having a plant, you know, is, is it the water loss that's causing, less water loss that's causing the difference, or is it the, due to the carbon? So I can actually create a plant inside my virtual ecosystem that can basically say, right, I'm going to decouple the water loss from the CO2 uptake run the models and see what the difference is between. And that gave some very enlightening things into how plants deal with CO2. But don't you sometimes get what I think in physics they call emergent properties, where yes. these things happen together, and no. if you look at them in isolation, it doesn't make no, sense. No. The, whole, the whole point is this is emergent properties. That's, that's the bit that comes out from this model. All I'm actually modelling is not even modelling a plant. I'm modelling this module that takes up resource and then moves it around to the module next to it. That's all it is. There's nothing there. There's no actual plant there. There's no plant model or anything. It's just these modules all talking to each other. And that's what I said about interesting being a plant. Because there's no plant there. The plant is just little bits talking to each other. There's no sort of homunculus plant that decides where it should go. All you've got is little bits of the plant that say, right, I'm go I've got this much resource with me. I'm going to push it there. I'm going to push it, th push it to my neighbour there. And that's all plants do. And out of that emerges your plant. The, plant you, the plants do slightly different things in those modules, then they'll, be, they'll behave as a plant differently. And so you have two different plants together, and that's when you start getting an ecosystem, and you start getting biodiversity. And it all comes out of the emergent properties of just these little modular bit of the plants, taking up resource and doing things differently. So emergence is what it's all about. Tom, what state are your, your noble apes at at the moment? If I, I mean, can I, can I go and do things with them on my computer at home? Most certainly. Um, on a number of levels, you can do things with them. Um, initially you can download the software um, and what you see is the island environment obviously uh, but also you see the noble apes cognitive processes now if you have an interest in that you can uh, modify file structures and things of that nature and if you want to take it even deeper you can uh, download the actual source code and start tinkering with that so it's a question of how much time and how interested we are in your, your, your apes and, and what we can learn from them Basically, and yes. how far can you go with this? I mean, is, and, and, and ultimately, is it a question of, you know, if ultimate, as computers get more powerful, we get closer to reality? In some way, I'm also looking at larger uh, simulation environments as well. It started on an island, and I'm moving to a planetary simulation, which has the same fundamental resolution that the island has, only on a much larger scale. 
and that you know the apes become nationalistic. Uh, you know, there's there's this kind of segregation. It becomes a political simulation as well. Um, and I think that's the next level. I mean, that's what's interesting me in the future. Okay, and maybe we can get you you, you to hook up with the uh, Rick's plants as well. Tom Barbelay, Rick Corsanti, thanks. That's it for today. Next Thursday, how Evo Bank, nothing to do with Evo Stick, is attempting to pull all the data we have on human evolution and our ancient ancestors into one accessible by all resource. Taking anthropology out of the Stone Age on next week's Material World.